0: TheYeshiva.net Okay, we're at the end of the first paragraph. So Moshe Rabbeinu summons the Jewish people. Rashi says that Atam Nitzavim happened on the day of his death, which means it was Zion Adir. The Zohar, as we mentioned, sees it as a remez for every Rosh Hashanah. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, "Atim nitzavim hayoyim kulchem l'fnei Hashem alakechem." Today you stand before Hashem, and he goes through the ten categories of Jews: Rachechem, Shvtechem, Ziknechem, Shetrchem, Kol Ish Yisrael, Tapchem, Neshechem, Gercha, Choyte veitzecha, Ad Shoyev Meimecha. Ten categories of Jews, and all of them stand together l'fnei Hashem alakechem. And this was the explanation that on Rosh Hashanah, all Nitzutzei Neshamas are misalim; they're uh, elevated, and they're Nitzavim, they stand, they're traced back to their source, Lifnei Hashem Alekeichem. And despite the fact that there are so many different Madregas represented by the ten levels, Kinege, the ten Koyches HaNefesh from Chachma through Malchus, nonetheless, they all unite Asif, Shifti because the great Kalal Kadusha Kedusha is no, it's Saifam Bet Chilasam Bet Chilasam That ultimately there's no Rosh and there's no Saif. It's an eagle which comes from Saif of Kalalman that Gemara says at the end of Tainis Asad kadush Baruch Hu Lassas, Machal L'Tzadikim. And what's a machel? A Machal is a circle. The Tzadikim dance in a circle. And maribed's boy V'Oymer Zah. Everybody from the position of the circle points and says ze. I once saw from the Kedush HaSlevi, the Levitsik of Badit Sheva Shev Rites, the Gemara is lush over there, is Osel HaKadosh Baruch Hu Machal Macha Hashem is going to make a dance, a circle for the Tzadikim, and He's going to be in middle. And everybody's going to point their finger, V'Oymer, Maribet Boy V'Oymer, Zeh. The Gemara brings the Pasek. Hine Ze. Uh, what's the Lashen? Hine Alekeinu Ze Kivinu Loi V'Yoshienu Ze Hashem Kivinu Loi. Nagila say that's the end of Masechus Tainis. So he asked, the Badit asks, what's the meaning of this metaphor, of this illustration, of this graphic illustration, and v'tzadikin? So he says that by a circle, there's no point where anybody is closer to the nucleus, to the center, than anybody else. The diameters are, uh, right. the right. radius are equal. So the, what he throughout the generations, you see a lot of different types of people, and generally we're compelled to create distinctions. You're closer, I'm further. I'm closer, he's further, she's further. Asad Akadosh Baruch in the future you're going to see it's a macha, it's a macha, and in a machal there's no roish, and there's no seif. There's no this person is closer, this person is more distant. In the real world of the Divine, there's unity. And therefore, kol echad echad, everyone will be able to be even though his or her position and place in the Machal, everybody has their place in the Machal, but in the true world of Kadusha there's no beginning and there's no end. There's no top and there's no bottom. And as he explains it here at length, everybody needs the other person because in one Indian I am a Rosh, and in another indian I'm the Saif and you're the Rosh. One Indian, I'm the Rosh and one Indian, I'm the Regal. Just like in a Moslem, as we discussed at length. Very good. Say so you good. Hear what he says. One of the Simonim of Rosh Hashanah is to eat the heads. The head of the fish, the head of the ram. Right? We should be on the head and not the tail. So the pshat is that everybody should realize, wherever you are in life, you should realize that it's never in the p'chinov of zonov. Of. You're never a tale. Even though you look at your life and you say, I'm a zonov, but under Rosh Hashanah, Beis Asif, Roshayam, Hayom, Yach Yisrael, all the Rosh as he says, all the has come together from Alma to Alma huh? And he finishes this paragraph, this page of the he finishes, V'zehu derech klav. And this is Derech Klal, meaning this is the general haqdam, the general perspective of what Moshe is introducing, according to the Zoya, that on the day of Rosh Hashanah, mitzavim ayam kolchem l'fnei Hashem the Klal is felt, and it's felt in all of the details, this is the general summation of this Nekudah of the Achtos of Neshama Sisrael, this is Nekudah number one. But now we go from Klal to Prat. As always, you start with Klal, and then you go to Prat. Klal is the overarching principle, like you said before, Klal Godel in Kedusha is that there's no Roshan Seif. In Sitra Achered, there's always Roshan Seif. There's always real, real hierarchies. In Kedusha, the hierarchies are functional. They're important. They're even vital. Koyerech comes and says, Koleh Eidah Kulam he also wanted to eliminate hierarchy. But there's a big difference between what Karech is saying and what Ismaimar is saying. What Karech was saying is, there's no Moshe, there's no iron, there's no coin Gadol, whoever wants. He's not saying here that there's no... Everyone has their mission, and it's indispensable. But essentially, you shouldn't become arrogant and pompous. We spoke about the look of disdain that uh, the Baal discussed, which sometimes tips the scale quite heavily in other words, that essentially it's not that you're superior and you're really, really closer to the divine and the other person is just an insignificant uh, piece of dirt or at best completely subservient to you. In the real truth of a lakus, it's soiv of kalam. But of course, every person has their unique mission, their unique and whatever it is, just like in a body. You don't say the head, maduat is nasa, you don't turn to the brain and say... The Gansagof is Haylik, Madhuatis Nasu. So, take the brain <laughs> and throw it into the garbage. Who does the brain think it is? And you know the next step is you might need a Khavrakadisha for that. So uh, the important idea is that not that there's no distinctions, but the distinctions have to be seen from a perspective of oneness. Achderich prat Hayichud now to get in more to more than the the Pratim, how how is this Yichud happening? This is all a klal that there is a need for Yichud and explaining why there is a need for Yichud and how it works generally speaking but now he gets into more Pratim First of all, how do you reach this consciousness of Yichud, number one Number two, what is the concept of chuvah that he discussed Tshuva means returning, that the Neshamas Israel return. And three, Vasapis Rosh Why from all the days of the year, what happens in the time of Rosh that we say that the, all the Neshamas experience Tshuva, that the Neshamas Israel return to their own Mokka, to their own Shayadosh. bis Rosh all the Machsavos of Knesset Israel come from the fragmented world into Rosh as discussed in the previous year, yesterday. Why Rosh Hashanah? Three questions: How do you reach the siyachut? What is Chuva? and why does sheshana of bebris? For this, my continues the next pasuk. The way the structure of and Netzavim works is it opens up. You stand today, all of you, before Hashem, and He says, "Who?" He goes through ten categories. Why does He have to go through ten categories? If He said kolchem, kolchem is everybody. Kolchem means all of you. Why does he have to go through the categories? Well, we understand why he has to go through the categories. You shouldn't think that Kolchem is just the nekuda of the Kalal. No, we go through all the details. And everybody in the position of who they are as individuals, mitzav kolchem of ne'asham The Vart is not that the woodchopper has a nekuda where he's a Jew, and therefore we disregard the fact that he's a woodchopper. Today he's not a wood shopper. Moshe Rabbeinu includes the Pratim. In other words, he unites Klal Yisrael with the details. Not by ignoring the details and just saying, you know, we're all Rosh Hashanah and Shul, we don't look at our individual identity. Together with the individual identity, that's why he goes through all the Pratim. There are ten different Kachis. This Chach, Bina, Das, Chesed, where Knesset Yisrael is divided. Nonetheless, Atam Nitzav Mayan Kolchem, Ufne Hashem he brings in everything and he says that you have to understand there's a roshan and there's a Saif. And nonetheless, there's no roshan and there's no Saif. Despite the fact that there's a roshan and there's a Saif. <laughs> and there's different halachas. You have to give special treatment to a Kayin, yeah? You don't say, a Kayan, a Levi, there's a special, there's a Din. A kayan has to be first. It comes to benching. it comes to an ali, it comes to HaKovit. I got stuck in a traffic uh, jam on one of the streets. So uh, so it wasn't a Muncie, it was in Brooklyn. So in Brooklyn everyone's Michal very, very uptight, very intense because of the real estate situation over there. <laughs> so uh, people are generally on edge. So I was trying to go what another guy was trying to go in. And uh, so I stopped and I went like this. So I opened the window, and he opened his window. So he said, no, you go first. So we got into an argument, who's going first? But in the meantime, there were a hundred cars with very, very impatient beeping. He says, no, I'm not going before you. I want you to go first. Then I said, I said to Mr. the V'kidashhto, your Hakoyen has to go first. He says, I can't argue. So he he went first. There's a certain halachas. There's a Hakoyen. There's a Talmud Chachem. Whatever it is in halacha, there's a and there's a sa'if. We're talking about essentially, in the world of God, essentially, it's not an innate hierarchy which causes uh, disdain or disregard or division or a sense of holier-than-thou or superiority complexes, psychologically, emotionally, religiously, spiritually. So Moshe goes through all the prat. When he finishes the categories, he says, you're all standing here. You're all here to pass through the bris, the covenant with Hashem and His oath that He is creating with you today. To make you today His nation and He will be your God as He spoke to you and as He swore. And He said, I'm not making this covenant with you alone. With those who are here and with those who are not here, so the Balatanya says this is not just creating and telling them why they're standing here. It's also a continuation of what we explained on <speaking in> Rosh <Hebrew> But how do you reach this yichur, <speaking in Hebrew> and what is tshuva, and why does Shashanah? So that's what he continues. It's <speaking in Hebrew> all based on the Zoya, that Hayoyim, even though physically that Hayoyim was Zion order, but the Zoya says that Al-Pi Remez, al it includes also a message for the Hayyim of Rosh Hashanah, which is the Hayyayim In the various layers of Torah interpretation, Prat-Remez Rusa. Va Va'inyin, to explain this, K'moy L'mashal will take a metaphor of Shnei him, two friends, two beloved friends, two people who love each other. O'yavim. There's a concept where two best friends decide to make a bris to create a covenant of friendship between them. tifsoik Ahavasi. For example, David, we have it in the Tanakh, David and Yonason. Pasek says, the Tanakh tells us in Shmuel, that David and Yonason were extraordinary friends. And it was not an easy friendship. Because Yonason's father was Shaul HaMelech, and Shaul HaMelech, as we know, loathed David. He was threatened by David. He despised David for whatever reason. He wanted to kill David. And he was extremely infuriated that his son is so close to David that Navas Hamardus, he tells Yoynesin, why are you protecting this man who's ultimately going to usurp your position, he's going to usurp the royalty. But <coughs> Yoynesin remained loyal to David throughout, to the point that when Yoynesin was killed in war by the Plishtim, Shaul died and Yoynesin died. David Amalek eulogizes David and uh, Shaul and Yoynesin at the end of Shmuel Aleph, the last chapters of Shmuel Aleph, when he hears that Yoynesin died. And David HaMelech says then, Nifleis HaVoschali MeAvasNoshem. David HaMelech describes the love that he had to Yoynesin that was unique, something special in the world. At some point, the Tanakh says they made a bris, they made a covenant. If I'm your best friend, why do we have to make a covenant? We love each other. We like each other. We have to make a bris. Well, we're going to make a document that we love each other. <laughs> that, forget, that's going to help. That's going to help. It doesn't work that way. Either you have emotions or you don't have emotions. If you don't have emotions, no contract, no bris in the world is going to help. And if you have emotions, what do you need a bris for? So he explains how to say, be bris kahavas. You see, love is always triggered by something. If that thing that created the love, that camaraderie that we have, that which we share, if that would have endured forever, you don't need a bris. afraid. That original bond that brought them together may one day seize, and the love is going to go. Maybe that factor will remain, but somebody outside could mix in. There's always somebody. I'm tempted to say a but I don't want to say that. But there's always somebody, something from outside, from outside could mix in and say, you know what he said about you? The, the, you, you see it constantly so two things can happen one thing is the Pirkei Ava says Petela Dover Batol Dover Ava if we became friends because of I don't know there was something I really appreciated about you as times change you see it with marriages all the time yeah a husband and a wife appreciated something times change, people change looks change, situations change I say the reason I loved you is not here anymore, I don't love you anymore it's time to move on Petela Dover the same happens with between friends. Constantly, you go in with somebody, right? And for whatever reason, it could be an external thing, it could be a very deep thing, but it's over. It's over. The love is over, or no, it's not over. But other things mix in in life. Other factors from outside mix in, and they destroy the love. They destroy the friendship. What do you do about this? Now, David and Yoinessen knew this is going to happen. The concept of a chrisis, creating a covenant, which we already have with the Brisbane Absarim and Parshish Lech Lecha, is that they ensure that their love will be eternal, baltimot, it will not um, falter forever, and no menia, no prevention, no obstacle internally or externally buy you some will ever separate them. The question is how does this happen? If it's there, it's there, if it's not there, it's not there. It's a funny mechanism. What we could create love forever. If it's there, it's there. If it's not there, what what am I gonna say? I love you and I don't like you anymore. The big Khidish, the Chiddush Mishnah, is Mishnah calls this the quintessential Avashayn and Tluivadav. So, according to this, the Mishnah is being Machadesh, the Avashayn and you should know, is still some that might require right. a crease to make an Avashayn and Right. Right. Yeah. So, how is it How is He's going to say, This is not a simple process. This itself is a very deep mental and emotional process. Sometimes we make a crisis, bris. in ten years something happens, we all know how these things are. Think about some of your best friends at a certain point in life, and today maybe if you call them before, And it's sometimes sad when you see these things happen. You were tight, you were very close, and how does it happen? You know, sometimes... Takes thirty years to build a friendship, and around five seconds to destroy it. That happens: one telephone call, one text, one email—boom, kaput. What do you do? They create between themselves a very strong and powerful bond. They're going to connect with their love. Their love, they decide together, is going to connect them The Kesher Nifla. kesha Nifla means a wondrous Kesher, a unique kesha. Nifla means Apella, beyond the ordinary. minatam v'das, to the point that it's going to reach a space that is beyond tam, reason and rationality. Sha'av shal tam v'adas, So that one day down the line, even though rationally, There's so many good reasons to stop the love. Or even deeper. Not just reasons to stop the love. Reasons to start hating. (laughs) Which happens. After all this, 30 years I was here for you. 30 years I was here for you. Somebody called me last night about uh, some big machloikas in his uh, community. Some guy who hates him. Cut him off completely. So I asked him, why does he hate you so much? Why does he hate you so much? He says, because for the past 40 years, I was the one who helped him. I said, I helped him. I helped him hundreds of times get on his feet. That's the only reason I could find. So sometimes you have a situation where you stop loving. And then sometimes you look at a person and you say, after all this, after all this, this is how you betray me? So it's not just I stop loving. There's a reason, ligram Sinna, to create hate because they made this covenant, there's even a deeper voice in them that transcends the rationality and it compels them to maintain the love. And this love covers up all mistakes, all sins. Not that there's no mistakes, but somehow it covers it up. The This love and this kesher covers up all sins. Why? What the bris does is it's as though they became one flesh. One person. Just like you can't stop loving yourself. A healthy person does not stop loving themselves. Their love will not stop from your friend. You also make mistakes yourself. You don't say to yourself, you know, yesterday I made such a big mistake, that's it, I'm done with me. I'm not talking to me again. Some people do that. Some people do that and the ramifications are not so gishmak. But a healthy person, you don't say, you know what, I'm such a low life. I'm not having a relationship with myself anymore. That's it. I'm cutting myself off for of my life. Some people do attack they become like dead zombies, they don't have a relationship with themselves. But a healthy person, a functional human being, you don't stop loving yourself. Ah, you made a lot of mistakes. Okay. Al <laughs> Self-love covers over... We all know, we know the mistakes we make better than our, uh, anybody else. It, you can even say that you know the mistakes you make even better than your wife. I'm not sure about that. Because she knows them before you make them. But, al derech uh, Hashem, She smells that you're going to make them. But generally, we know ourselves, as they say in recovery, we know us. (laughs) I have an expression. We know us. Nobody knows your mistakes and your babamises and your issues and your skeletons and ghosts and demons and Avedas like you yourself. People may know a little bit. Your therapist may know a little more. Your sponsor may know a little more. But you know everything with all the darkness. And yet nobody loves you as much as you love yourself. How does that work? you should be your greatest enemy because you know better than everybody else. It doesn't work that way. You know why? Because the love to the self when you're a healthy person is not rational and it shouldn't be rational. You don't love yourself rationally. You don't say, you know what? Today I'm a good guy, therefore I like myself. You know why? Because then when one day you're not such a good guy, you hate yourself. People who take live like that It's a very, very painful life, because your self-love fluctuates, right? Somebody gives you a compliment in the morning. Today I'm a good guy, I love myself. Then somebody criticizes you. Oh, I'm a bad guy, I hate myself. Then you wait for the next compliment to be able to love yourself. That's not how it works. Self-love is non-negotiable. You embrace yourself not for rational reasons, not because I'm handsome, not because I'm brilliant, not because I'm a saint, Not because I don't make mistakes. You need to accept yourself and have compassion for all parts of yourself. And actually that's how you could fix your mistakes. If you don't accept yourself, if you don't love yourself, you can't fix your mistakes. Because you look at yourself as either lost or hopeless or with such disdain. A person needs to be able to accept themselves. And it's not rational. It doesn't have to be rational. You don't need to give a sheer apiseichel why you love yourself. If you do, that's a big problem. You see what he's saying? This is the type of friendship you decide now you want to have this with another person. We're going to make mistakes. But could our friendship transcend the mistakes? Depends. If the friendship is based in a rational place, then, in ten years from now, I may do something, you may do something, and we say, you know what? It's not happening. We may even hate each other. And because you're so close, the hate is much deeper. There's no hate like the hate to a best friend. Just like there's no hate like the hate in family. There's no machloikas like machloikas in family, right? the most most horrible machloikas, why? Because they love each other. So they kill each other. That's what the Jewish people are like. People don't understand this about Jews. Jews are family. We love each other, and we fight with each other just like families. Just like family. I mean, if you read the news from Israel, you see the whole Israel is basically one mishpacha few names, but it's one mishpacha, basically. All p- Israeli politics, it's not a country. It's a mishpacha. It's all solemn bias issues in Israel. It's not... You can't understand Israeli news by comparing it to a country. Yeah? It's not a country. It's a mishpacha, basically. Shalom is one mishpacha, Bnei is another mishpacha. It's seven, eight families that are fighting with each other. The whole Eretz is that way. But that's really how Jews work. So whenever you're very close to somebody, you could get far from somebody. There's no relationship as loving and as tense as the relationship with your mom, with your mother. Why? Because the mom is in the kishkes. (laughs) You can't estrange yourself from your mother. Your mother carried you, she, she nursed you, she brought you into the world. It's very, very deep. Because it's so deep, when it's problematic, it's very problematic. So when a best friend hurts you, there's no hurt like that. A stranger hurts you, fine, next. You say, good Shabbos, good morning. So if it operates on that level, there comes a point where the Ava stops. Why? Either the original factor is gone, or another factor intervened and destroyed it, or somebody else intervened, which always happens. Somebody else from outside enlightens you to the truth of this person. The chrisis bris eliminates all that. Not by making you naive. Not by making you naive. By asking yourself a question. Can our love... Reach the same level like self love where it transcends rationality, tam vidas. It's a commitment. It's a commitment. It takes both sides. Of course, it always takes both sides. It always takes both sides, and it takes both sides to always be conscious of the bris. To always be conscious of the bris and to live that way. If one of them decides, uh, it's like a contract, so to speak. If one side decides I'm breaching the contract, it's over. There's no contract anymore. It really includes it. Yeah, if that's what Vahaftal Recha Kamaycha means. Kamaycha, Like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> to understand what uh, Balatani is saying, you have to under- you have to love yourself. Love yourself doesn't mean spoil yourself or become arrogant. That's not self-love, that's self-hate. Arrogance is a form of self-hate. Because you have to be arrogant because you don't accept yourself. Insecurity. It's insecurity, yeah. All arrogance comes from self-hate. It looks like self-love, it's not. Real self-love, you can accept your vulnerabilities. And therefore you can have compassion for all parts of yourself this doesn't mean you justify your mistakes. On the contrary, you don't justify your mistakes. You can be open about your mistakes and fix them. Self-love is not about being blind or bribing yourself with tips that you're perfect or saintly. It's the other way around. Self-love doesn't mean you love your errors, you love your sins. Self-love doesn't mean you're always covering up, you're always defensive. That's not self-love, that's self-hate. Defensiveness is not self-love. Defensiveness is I always have to protect myself Because I don't like myself. I don't like what I'm going to see. Self love means I can really accept the truth of my self value, which is essentially divine. And therefore, I can really accept and have compassion for all the parts of myself, including the fact that there's a lot of imperfection there. How do you do that? Tell them how to do it. <laughs> sure. Maybe somebody over here in the Ezra notion can explain it. no <laughs> <laughs> you, yep. huh? you have it. Huh? You it. You, you have to first find out why you hate yourself. You have to first figure out why. <laughs> why, do you, why do you want to make a person make your relationship stronger than it is by, by its nature? Let's say your friendship is based on the things that you have together. Mm. Why do you want to be stronger than that, that when those things are gone, that it should still be there? If it doesn't deserve to still be here by its own right. That's a good question. Here, That's a good Hashem, question. There's something essential that you say. That's the right, because you feel there's an essential connection you know that it deserves this relationship. The is bris is not because you're stupid. you <laughs> ask you a good question. If this person is going to take advantage of you and abuse you, you're an idiot. You make a crisis bris, say, abuse me, abuse me, abuse me, abuse me, and I become a battered woman or a battered man, and I love you. That's not what we're talking about. David understood, again, if this one side breaches the crisis bris, there's no crisis bris anymore. It's a dual commitment. It's two people... Who are committed to this state of consciousness Why we be stronger than it is by its nature. Because there's a lot of factors in the world that destroy relationships. And you have to have a commitment to the value of this relationship that will transcend all of these obstacles. It's to prevent fake, fake things from happening. Exactly. They know that essentially their relationship warrants this. It's not based on immaturity and fakeness. Yes, it's not based on immaturity. It's based on the fact that we belong to each other. We're committed to each other. Maybe we can give the example of a marriage. Every marriage, not every, but many marriages go through crisis. <coughs> ups and downs. Many marriages people consider divorce. Maybe not verbally, but in their minds. Yeah? I told you a Yid once came to our Rav and said, Hevil ag- so The Rav says, very vilnished." Yeah. welcome to the United States of America he wants a get good morning, you know, you and Columbus discovered the United States yeah okay, so there are a few people was and they didn't laugh by the joke which, and we're very proud of them and may it made continue for those who unfortunately did laugh because they got the humor and uh, their romance is not mamish ad infinitum yeah Marriages go through challenges. And I'm talking about regular marriage. I'm not talking about dysfunctional, horrible situations. I'm talking about regular marriages of civilized people who are basically normal, mentally normal, hopefully, and etc. You have this concept. You have this a lot of reasons that could come in and say, Okay, this is it. But there's a there's a deeper dimension that you know, or you may not even know, but you may sense, there may be an intuition. There may be this is this belongs to me. I belong to this, huh? Every relationship, a relationship has to start with external factors. You have to get to know the person. You have to appreciate the person. If not, you could marry a wall. You can marry a car. Some people do that. You can marry a smartphone. Many people do that. It's the minigamakum. So this is. To our relationship yeah, this is a mu- this is a mushroom. Of course, it's a muscle. Like everything so is. A no matter muscle. what happens between us and Hashem, no matter yeah. what. Yes. So, so, so you you appreciate that this is where the relationship could go because it's there. It's supposed to be there. But you know, there's so many factors in the world internally and externally, psychologically. We also live in places of insecurity. We live in places of fear. We live in places of shame. We live in places of guilt. We live in very painful places, especially coupled with experiences of the past. And this destroys all relationships. You can't be present in a relationship if you live with self-shame. You know why? Because there's no self to be present. If I hate myself, and I don't accept myself, I could never be present in a relationship. It just doesn't work. You can use a relationship as a cover-up, but that's not a relationship. You understand what I'm saying? Many people do that. They enter into relationships to compensate for the lack of relationship with themselves. That we do it all the time. But that's not a relationship, because I'm actually not there. I'm trying to run away and bury myself by making believe I'm alive through the relationship with you. But there's no I here. There's just you, there's no me, and then it creates our ganze uh, Tumor. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Anybody does it? Right? But if we appreciate all of this, this is part of what we have to appreciate. This also, We know all this comes into play. The is bris is a commitment to that type of relationship which will bring forth from you your truest values and koichis. That's what it does. The is bris is not here to destroy you and make you into a, uh, a victim of abuse. If you're doing this to be used, it's not a is bris. Then it's the worst relationship. Run to China. Run for the hills. If the Crisis bris has any component of manipulation, it's over. It's not a Crisis bris. It's another form of abuse. It's coming from the utmost sense of self-discovery and self-actualization. What's first, commitment or love? Ooh. What's first, commitment or love? If I'm speaking in Soho, or Tribeca, or Greenwich Village, I say commitment. If I'm speaking in Lakewood, Muncie, Williamsburg, (laughs) Borough Park, I say love. You understand? (laughs) What? (laughs) No, you have to understand, in a world where there's no commitment anymore, where you change your spouse as often as you change your suit, the value of commitment has to be introduced and the power of commitment, which is what sustains families for thousands of years. But in places where people tell young boys or girls, you don't have to feel anything. Just get married and in 90 years you'll start feeling. After you'll have 99 Eim o'clock, you'll start having emotions. It's not about love. You don't even have to feel good. It's all going to work out. Your mother got married. Your baba got married. They were miserable. You'll be miserable. The main thing is you do it for the kids. And then the kids do it for their kids, and then the kids do it for their kids. And I always ask, which is the generation that ultimately gets all the benefits? Everybody's doing it. It's like one guy said, my mother, we, we, we always, we, in my house, we always ate leftovers. Always. We're still looking for the original meal. <laughs> So everybody's doing it for the kids, for the kids. So who's going to be the benefactor of of the ultimate generation? Teiku, Eliyahu, Anavi. So in a situation where commitment is unbelievably emphasized, which is great, and love is completely ignored sometimes, to the peril and the detriment of the couples, because they don't learn to enjoy each other, to appreciate each other, to respect each other, you have to speak about that. That's my answer to your question. Okay. So, the summation of what we learned yesterday was Moshe Rabbeinu speaks about La'avrecha B'bris Hashem Alekech What is the concept of a bris, a is bris? The concept of a krisis bris he explains, at first glance seems a little strange. If you love each other, you love each other. And if not, not. What does a covenant help? And the explanation that was given, that Balatanya gave was, in the beginning of chapter 2 of this Ma'im Re'atam is you don't start off with a crisis bris. You don't start off with a covenant. Every relationship begins with Appreciating the other person based on various factors, whatever those factors may be intellectual, usually emotional, combination of both, superficial stuff, or hopefully deeper stuff. But the relationship begins and the relationship develops. And the two people who are in a relationship, they value the relationship. And they also understand that as life goes on, things can happen that will undermine it and could completely decimate it, destroy it, or at least weaken it significantly. As he said, either me bias internally or externally. There could be a meniyah me bachutz, from outside or from inside. It can also be that many factors that contributed to the love, sees, and as the Mishnah says, If the Ava remains dependent on those factors, if those factors are gone, the love is gone. And therefore, as the Ava develops, and these two people who are very close understand and appreciate that life is tough, and even if the factors don't change, there can be other factors that will intervene and meddle in people or factors that will compromise the love or dilute it or destroy it. So now they're ready to make a crisis bris. And what does the crisis bris state? The crisis bris state that they're both making a commitment to this relationship, but a commitment, as he puts it, It's going to be a kesher ametz v'chazak she isyachtu v'yizkashru b'avosem kesher nifla l'maylum in atam v'das. To a point that it transcends rationality. What does it mean it transcends rationality? Rationally, there'll be excuses to stop the relationship. There may even be reasons to have negative feelings. Not only that there's no positive, there can even be reasons for us to start despising each other, hating each other. But the crisis bris brings out a deeper dimension within them. It is consistent with their value. Their ultimate value is that this relationship should be intact. And therefore, they're treating the other person like they would treat themselves. The Passoc says, I'll call pshoyim ava." Your self-love covers over your own mistakes and your own sins. You don't need a reason to love yourself. Your re- love to self is not based on rationality and calculations, hopefully. And therefore changes from day to day, from week to week, from year to year. Today I love myself, tomorrow I hate myself. Just like self-love does not get interrupted by a healthy, normal human being, the love to the other is the same level of love. That's what the Chrisus bris. that's what the Chrisus bris accomplishes and achieves. And it works between both, both of the people. And he continues, and he says, "V'lechein nikkere b'lashin krisus bris." That's why it's called krisus bris. What does bris literally? Krisus means cutting, kares lichrot, and bris means a covenant, a bond, a bund. What What's the connection? <laughs> this is a pasuk in Yirmiyah. Yirmiyah Novi describes this concept in Perik Lamed Jeremiah thirty-four. Comei shakasov, asher karsu es ha'eigel v'yaru bein they had a calf slaughter. They cut the calf and they passed through the two pieces. They split it into two. They cut the meat into two parts, two sections, and they walked between the two. You have it already in Parshas Lech Lecha. When Hashem makes the covenant with Avram Avinu, what happens? It says, He sees the fire walking through the psorim, walking through the pieces of meat. What's this concept? What is this? That's what Chris's bris means. The answer is, There's a symbolic element here. The calf is one. A piece of meat that comes from one animal is one. It's one animal. When you cut it into two, and you walk between it, it's basically saying, we're not two people. We're one person who are split into two people. And therefore, our relationship to each other is going to be like our relationship to ourselves. We're two people, but we're becoming one. That's what the krisis bris means, the bris ben means. And therefore, my relationship with you is going to be like my relationship with myself. Just like my relationship with myself, I may make mistakes, I may make big mistakes, but I'm not going to cut off my relationship with myself. I'm not going to tell myself I'm not talking to myself anymore. As we said, most people should not be doing that. You shouldn't stop talking to yourself and stop having a relationship with yourself even though you make mistakes. There is a certain element of self-acceptance. I'll that's going to be my relationship with you knowing then that whatever happens, any wind that comes and goes, any wind that blows our way, wherever the wherever the situations and circumstances may emerge externally or internally and we'll have every excuse in the world to say pesach. it was nice knowing you. Now have a wonderful day. It's time to sever the cords of this relationship. And who, like us, knows how many factors life brings out that can cause all of these type of separations? We both fall back on that Chris's bris. It's, of course, the act of cutting meat and walking through is not going to save a marriage or save a relationship. It's what this act is representing in their souls. That the commitment to the relationship, the value of this relationship is more powerful than anything else, and therefore, just like with yourself, you maintain it, you maintain it with the other person, despite circumstances that may want to interrupt it. It's a very beautiful idea in the Pasuk, but it's really very counter to Pshat in Pasuk, which says, The Pasuk is very explicit that the bris discussed here is not the bris between man and God. No, yeah, he's just using it as a mosh, hundred percent. This is just a marshal to explain what the concept of a bris is. So they become one, but not that they become one, that I am you and you am I. That's not a Chris's bris, then it's one person. There are two people. But it's two people that are, so to speak, separated. It's one separated into two. And therefore we maintain that connection as I maintain it with myself. Just like I can't stop loving myself, even if I try very hard, I will not stop loving you. <speaking in Hebrew> this entire metaphor that we have been addressing, us, <speaking in> Hashem, <Hebrew> This entire marshal Hashem did to us and for us. See, the Possek says in Parshas Kisisa, we read it in the Kriyas HaTorah Vayechal on Tanesan, on Fas days. Hinei Bris. Negat Kolamcha, Es and nifloyas. The two parts of the Possek are not disconnected. I am creating a covenant with you. I'm cutting a bris with you. Before your entire nation, I'm going to do Nifloyus. See title Pirush. Nifloyus is Lamailam in Atam Vadas. The word Nifloyus, which comes from the word pela. A wonder, wondrous, unique, something special, means when you say it's nifla. we say there's choice, there's nisim, there's nifloyus. Again, the same idea. What's nifloyus? Nifloyus is ploying, wondrous things that are beyond tambadas, beyond rationality. A kris is bris means that we're creating a bond that is going to reach into a place within ourselves that is beyond calculated reasons. Because if it remains just about calculated reasons it's not in the deepest place. If it's not in the deepest place, it can also be dissolved. Because there will be reasons and there will be reasons. If it could reach into a place of Niflayus then the Ava, the relationship will be forever. And that's why you come to Shomar David as David said about Yohanneson it doesn't mean he said it to Yohanneson because Yohanneson already has been killed. He said about Yoynesin, This is the first, as I mentioned, the first chapter of Shmuel base. At the end of Shmuel, Aleph, Shool HaMelech, and his son Yoynesin, die in the war against the Plishtim. David HaMelech, who suffered a lot because of Sheol, hears about the death of Shool, who was the Jewish king, and his son, his best friend, Yoynesin. David and Yoynesin have made a bris. they've made a covenant and here who know, who like them knew that there'll be so many factors to undermine their relationship Yoynesin's own father was upset that Yoynesin was close to David there was every reason in the world and the greatest reason was Yoynesin was supposed to be the natural successor and David Amalek was appointed as king, if there was ever a competitor in history, David is your arch enemy, he's the first man you should kill or at least uh, neutralize or eliminate or send into exile you're the son of the king, and he was now anointed as a king. Not only did that not happen, Yoyneson's relationship with David remained unique, something special. This is where the crisis bris came in. When Shaul and Yoyneson die, and David HaMelech hears the news, so the opening of Shmuel Beis, Perik Aleph, the first chapter of Shmuel Beis, is the eulogy that David Amalek gives for Shaul and Yoyneson. And if you ever want to know how to eulogize a person, simply Choose the words and express your emotions. This is the eulogy to read. Shmuel Bays Perik Aleph. It's an extraordinary, extraordinary chapter in Tanakh where David speaks about Shoal and he speaks about Yonason. The famous expression, he says, Shoal and gaveru, which was taken and uh, recorded into the that is said on Shabbos before Musaf about all of the Jews who were killed throughout the generations. Uh, that comes from David's husband. They were beloved in their life and in their death they were not separated. David Amalek says there, and this is the posseh that the Balatanya is quoting, he says, I'll quote the whole posseh, Sarli Alecha Ochi Yahoy I am full of distress over you, my brother, Yohannes. son. Na'amtali ma'oid. You have caused me such sweetness in my life. You have caused me such pleasantness in my life. Niflesa avas chali me The love that you had to me was niflesa. It was something extraordinary. Something out of this world. More than avas nashim, which avas nashim, the love of a man to woman in our world. Contain, could can contain tremendous potency, tremendous incredible electrifying power. But David Amalek says, he wants to bring out the tremendous Ava that they had to each other, The word he chooses is niflesa. The Balatanya puts that together with Hine Bris Neged Kol Amcha essa That the Kris' Bris was one It reached into a place of the soul that is beyond rationality. Just like I don't love myself for rational reasons. You don't start looking for reasons why you're allowed to love yourself. And when people do, that's the beginning of a tragedy. right? Somebody once told me, he says, Give me three reasons I should love myself. There's nothing to answer. If that's the question, there's no answer. Because even if I give you 9,000 reasons to love yourself, you don't love yourself. You're looking for a justification. You're looking for a reason. It's a different type of love. That's not self love. It's a very, very tarnished. It's a very compromised. It's a very, uh, what's the word? A very. Uh, corrupted. Painted. Painted. It's a painful question of the person who's looking for that justification. Why? You are beyond reason. And the you loves the you. The you is one. I am one with me. So David and Yoinasin reached this level of a relationship, which is unique, that two people should be able to experience it. It's not simple, because naturally I'm selfish. I love myself, but with you it's something else. But that's the Chiddush they had a crisis Bris. you'd give through the 13 attributes of compassion that Moshe Rabbeinu drew forth in Parashat Kisisa, after the Chet HaEgel, Nasa Kevayachal, Krisos Briz V'Yiskashos Lakodesh Baruch Hu in Misra. These are Krisos Bris between Hashem and the Jewish people to arouse the love. And that's why he continues, the L'Av A'neinu L'Chatosenu have A'veneisei Cha Mavdilin That the sins should not separate, as the as the Possek says, That's what Yeshaya Hanavi says. But the Chris's bris makes that the Avonis shouldn't be mavdil. Because as the possek says in Parshish Hazinu, And why does he bring this possek here? Because that's the whole idea of a Chris's bris, that it's really one. We are really one, even though we're separated into two. So therefore, there's an inseparable connection. When does this happen? Only after they create the golden calf, after the marriage is betrayed. Before the marriage is betrayed, you don't need a Chris's bris. You love your spouse because you have a great relationship, you're having a great time with each other. You respect her, she respects you, it's a mechaya, you're on an honeymoon. But 40 days after the wedding, suddenly this whole marriage goes, into the, goes down the drain. This whole marriage is not happening. They don't even wait a long time. The Jews were impatient. They didn't have time. Imagine in the middle of the Shevab a few weeks after the Shevab you're on your honeymoon, boom! He's already somewhere else, she's somewhere else. So there's no hope for such a relationship. So Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Hashem, this is not happening. This relationship is not happening. Moshe knew that at this point, the relationship has to graduate to a new level. What's going to be the new level? Hinei anoychi kairis bris, neget kol amcha that the relationship is not anymore based on if you behave this way, okay, and if you don't behave this way, therefore our relationship gets interrupted. Rather, it brought out, Moshe Rabbeinu brought out from Hashem and from the Jewish people the essential connection of Chaylik Hashem Amay that it's inseparable. Balatanya once said in Yiddish, Ayid nishtar vil or can sein von elikus. A Jew, truthfully, not he wants to, nor can he or she be separated from godliness. In other words, even if on a conscious level, or on a rational level, there are sins, there's mistakes, there's an interruption, and therefore naturally you should say, there's no connection anymore. There's a reason to say this marriage is over, and there's good reasons. Whether people mixed in from outside, or within, or the reasons that were there, why I chose you are not here anymore. In fact, you betrayed me. If this relationship is based on a chrisis bris, a relationship, a connection that is essential, that is innate, you can go back to that, and the relationship remains intact. It doesn't mean you don't have to ask forgiveness, it doesn't mean you don't have to repair mistakes, It does, on the contrary, of course mistakes have to be repaired, but it means that the two don't get separated as a result. That's the krisis bris that emerges after the cheta egel and it's always a pella kudetz l'mayl amitam It's just not what we call today, the renewal of vows. Because renewal of vows is just restoring the right. to its upgrade of vows. Right. Because the, beforehand it was not La right. amitam Right. 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 So essentially what Parshat Kisisa is, is, is articulating is that the relationship was on two phases. Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu Hanichali, leave me alone and allow me to destroy the Jewish people so Rashi says from the Gemara Hanichali, Hashem was telling him if you don't leave me alone I won't be able to destroy them he was basically giving Moshe Rabbeinu a hint that there's two phases of this relationship one phase of the relationship is we have a contract you betray the contract, it's over I hire an employee from 9 to 5 I give him a contract you have to come in at 9 o'clock, you have to do work he doesn't show up one day, doesn't show up another day. He finally shows up the third day and he makes a chorban in the office. After a week or two weeks, even if I'm a very nice guy, I'm going to say, you know what? This is really not working out. Because the relationship is based on the contract. I'm an employer, you're an employee. What makes us close? That you work for me and you do the job. If you're not doing the job, what's the connection? That's one type of a relationship. The Rabbi Shalala makes a contract with the Jewish people You're my people, I'm your God. I'm committed to you, you got to be committed to me. You're not committed to me, you're fine. What's the point? At this point, Moshe Rabbeinu knows, he, he got the cue, he got the cue to bring out a new level of the relationship. And the new level of the relationship is, Ki Kashem HaShem Ki HaShem means that they're really one. It's not a contract relationship. It's not, you're connected to me because you work for me and you do the job. You're not working for me, there's no connection. The definition of our relationship is you follow the rules. If you don't follow the rules, what's our relationship? But what about if your child is working for you? Oh, then you have headaches. <laughs> How do you get rid of your child? <laughs> he breaks every contract in the world. So I zay it right? So take cannot right? work so, in the business, but you don't divorce a child. And what happens if you're not working out with yourself? You're going to get divorced from yourself. So Moshe Rabbeinu revealed that dimension of the relationship that ultimately... It's an inseparable bond because it's not a bond that is created through the rational reasons that you're doing the right thing. The bond is an essential bond. It's two souls that are really one. And that's what the bris represents. That's what the Yidgiu and the brought out. The Yidgiu and the brought out that dimension of the relationship. Yeah. We learned in the Maimur of Parashas Acharei Mois, if you remember, Kibayama Mazayi that's why Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu. Remember, benikras hatsur. He benikras hatsur. It's a very strange parsha. So he says, what's a tzur? A tsur is a flint stone. Generally, you have fire. If you pour the water on the fire, it's going to extinguish it. Even if you have a coal, and the fire is hidden in the coal, so you don't see the fire, it's concealed. But if you blow on the coal, the fire comes out. But if you pour enough water on the coal, it's going to ultimately be extinguished. What about the fire, the sparks in a flintstone? The flintstone could be in water for thousands of years. It could be in the Atlantic Ocean or in a lake or a brook. And you take out the flintstone, and you can always recreate the fire. So he says, At this moment, Moshe Rabbeinu brought out the relationship in of on the tzur level, which. Water cannot, uh, which water cannot destroy. That's also consistent with this idea here in itself. (laughs) Gimel, vihine, omri razal. What does this have to do with the bris? You mean a bris Miller? It's really a similar concept. That was the bris between Hashem and Avramovino, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. The Gemara says, Isha commanded mehila damya." Isha commanded mehila damya. Vehinei amru razzal Chazal say, "In the tells us, "Rishonah dafta zayin, rishonah dafla me dalit." Omer, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, imru aleichem. Hashem says to the Jewish people, Say before me Malchius. Malchius means verses that represent my Malchus, my kingship. In order that you should make me a king over you. Zichroinus, say also psukim of memory. Sheyalu so Your memory should ascend before me for positiveness, for, for goodness. man, how do you do this? By shayfa through the shayfa." And this is how the Gemara describes very briefly the structure of the davening of Musaf of Rosh Hashanah where we have three sections in Musaf: There's P'sukim of Malchias, of Hashem's kingship. There's P'sukim of Zichroinus, of Hashem remembering. And this P'sukim about Shoeferis. And between each one we blow Shoefer by the Malchias section, Zichroinus section, Shoeferis section. And that's the structure of Musaf Rosh Hashanah, which is unique from the whole year. Usually Shabbos every day, Shimon Esther has 19 blessings. Shabbos and Yom Tif, Shmanasri has seven blessings, three and three, and one in the middle, Makadish Hashabas, Makadash Manah, Rish Shana you have nine blessings because the middle one you have number seven, number eight, number nine, you have an extra three Brach of Malchias, <coughs> Brach of Zakhranis, and Brach of Shaifus. Concerning Rosh Hashanah, the Gemara says in Meseches Rosh Hashanah of Chav Zayin, and it goes into the Mus'af of Rosh Hashanah, Zeha Yoyim Tchilas Ze Karna Yoyim This day is the beginning of your creation, a memory for the first day. Meaning, because Adam was created on Rosh Hashanah, the first human being. And what did he say on the first Rosh Hashanah? So it's brought in Medrash, in the Zayah, that Adam said the Mizmer of Tehillim, which we say the Shir Shalyom every single Friday. We say this in the Shir Shalyan because this is the song of Friday because the first Friday it was said, Hashem malach geus lavish. Hashem reigned. He, he adorns exaltedness. He puts on the lavush of geus. Geus means exaltedness, aloofness, sublimity. Malchus, geus. Because for the malchus, is On the first Rosh Hashanah his malchus emerged. What does it mean It emerged. There were many creatures before Rosh Hashanah, before Friday. But none of them could say Hashem Moloch Geyis Lavij because all of them are programmed. They just follow their genetic makeup. Whether it's an insect, or a mammal, or a fish, or a bird, or a galaxy. Whatever type of creation it is, it just follows the program with which it was encoded, so to speak, by my The first self-conscious and self-aware existence well, I shouldn't say the first self-conscious. Animals also have some level of self-consciousness. But the first creation, Adam and Chavah, who have choices, and therefore could bring out and explain Hashem Lovers. this is Rish Hashem. But then, it was all an arousal from above, meaning Hashem initiated the process. He created Adam. This explains the paradox in the sentence. Yom currently yom what do you mean? You just said this is Tchilas Maasech. If it's Tchilas Maasech, so this is Yaim Rish. Besides, Rosh Hashanah is not Yaim Rish. Rosh is day 6. Adam wasn't created day 1, he was created day 6. Bautani is explaining. Yom Today Rosh is the beginning of your Yomaisa, the creation of Adam. But it's not like it was then. Then it was a Sarusa de and arousal from above. He says, "Now, va'achshav is liyazikaron liyomnish. Now we have to create a Zikarin, a commemoration of Yom Nishin. I day sarusa the lasata, lo ered isgalos malchusa yizborich halena i day hashemu benein. Initially, it was tchilas <laughs> masecha. Today, it's not exactly the same. Today, it depends on the sarusa the lasata, on an arousal from below, meaning on the inspiration that comes from." Humanity from the Jewish people. It's a zikar in Yom but it's not exactly the way it was in Yom because then it was initiated from heaven, and now it's initiated from earth. L'oyre, to arouse the revelation of his Malchus, then he created Adam. But now, it's a Sarusad al-Lasata that we're going to be Hashem ubeinenu. by remembering the bris, the covenant, and the connection between Hashem and us. How does this happen va'ino ide shofir? The way this is expressed on our shashanah is through the shofir, shofirnis chuvela. The shofir represents a higher level of chuva in contrast to chuva tata which is a lower level of chuva, meaning bikhnis saka sakel me'um kedliba, min kudas primis aleh, a chainkleh adib yakhil mahgbilah, vipneshikol balvad, vela khayn ein umir vein dwarem al bikhnis tikiakal poshet. What does the shafa represent? There's a tzakas ha-kail. There's an outcry of a sound. But it comes me umka from the depth of the heart, from what's called nekudas primi the core of the heart. Why do we say it comes from the core of the heart? Because the klei hadibur can't limit it. The instruments of speech cannot limit this outcry because it's only a sound. It's a koil, And that's why, e'noi we say in tehillim, Nishma So he paraphrases that pasik. There's no words, there's no verbiage. What is there? There's only a tkiyas kal pashit. The fact is that when a person there are two types of uh, there are two types of cries. Well, actually we could say there's two types of one is a cry that has words to it. A person cries, a person laments, a person expresses himself. You would think that is a very profound cry, but the truth is that's a limited form. It could limit itself to words, to verbiage. But sometimes there's a much deeper cry that can't be limited in words. It's the cry of silence. The cry of silence in many ways is far deeper than the cry of words. Because it's so deep, I can't even express it. I don't even know how to express it. Atke kach, just like we understand when, uh, when Yosef is the emperor, the prime minister of Egypt, and he arrests his brothers because he accuses them of espionage in Egypt. Ruuvain turns to his brothers and he says, "Avolashemim anachno, we are guilty." Why are we guilty? Because God is demanding the blood of our brother, Yosef, of course. As he puts it there, he says, (laughs) He begged us to save him. We did not listen. We threw him into a pit and we sold him into slavery. It's the first time we discover that Yosef was pleading for mercy. In the story in Vayeshev, when they throw him into the pit, Yosef doesn't say a word. Suddenly, in Parshish Mikkei's, Years, years, years later. 20 years, more than 20 years later, 21 years later, we discover Yosef was screaming, he was begging, he was pleading for mercy. Ramban, Ramban Ramban, addresses this. We never heard about it. Yosef was quiet, he didn't say a word. Suddenly Reuben says, And one of the interpretations is, you could say, we didn't listen to him. Or v'loy shamanu was even worse. We didn't hear. There are two types of screaming. There's somebody who screams with their mouth, and there's somebody who screams with their eyes. B'schanan It was such a deep sense of anguish. He didn't scream. But loy shamanu were guilty for not even knowing that he was screaming. That's another guilt. Not only did we ignore his scream. That's step two. Step one is we didn't even know b'schanan meylenu. I didn't even see it. You read sometimes the story of a child that takes their life, a teenager, a young man, a young boy, a young girl. They never said anything. That's part of the crime. I didn't even hear, I didn't even know, but why didn't I ask myself a question? This girl was so social, she was so with it. What happened suddenly? In one day she withdrew. She's not talking to anybody. Shouldn't people ask questions? This child was integrated and suddenly... This child fell into a deep depression. Maybe somebody should have sat with this child and asked what is going on, or at least try to search, try to appreciate that this child is not just a troublemaker, that there's something profoundly, profoundly going on. There are cries that people scream, and then there are cries that come from Nekudas Pnimiyas Alev. There's no Klei Hadibur, not because it's not there. It's too profound for words to contain. I have no words. And sometimes I don't even have a koil. All I have is silence. So the shaifer he says, is, primi There's no omer. there's no dvarim. What is it? A koil pashat. It's a simple koil. It pays tribute to the cries in people's hearts that goes beyond words. There are things you speak about. There are things you can't talk about. That's what the shayfer is trying to address things you talk about is not good. We can deal with it. But things you don't talk about, because it comes from the Pneum Yisalev, that's what the Shoifer is trying to, to capture. U Shvarim it's not like suddenly in Shvarim there are words. It's not a Parshat but it's also a-Khal. A-Khal itself has different dimensions. is the Gemara says in Rosh that the difference of Shvarim and True is, Shvarim is Gnuche, Ganech, and True is Yulule yale, Meaning, Shvarim is like a sigh. Gnuche means a sigh, a krachts. Eh, eh, eh. That's a Shvarim. And then True is like a sob. So, what's the difference of Tkiah, Shvarim, and True? It's all a coil. One is a coil pashat. Straight sound, two, that's tkiyah. One is a Shvarim, which is Gnuch Egon e chasai, And one is trua, which is a Yolo. But all of them have a common denominator, and that is, there are no words. And as he will say later, it's not only there's no words, even the cry is not your own cry. You're using the ram's horn to cry. In other words, you're not even expressing your own sound, because that's even a deeper sound. There's the sound you express, and then there's the sound you can't even express with your own mouth. You use the coil of the behemoth, of the animal, of the most primal, primal sound of the person. He doesn't even have his own sound. Not only there's no speech, there's no verbiage, there's not even his own coil. His own coil is silent. You need the animal to bring out the coil. Here itself, you have the tkia, you have the shvarim, you have the trua. The tkia is complete simplicity, just a sound. It doesn't even have character to it. The shvarim already has character with his asai, and the true has a different type of character, which is a sob. But the common denominator in all of them is that it's a koil. It's beyond dibor. This is the psyche, the outcry that goes into the deep place of the soul, which ultimately pays tribute to the chrisis bris, to the covenant that is created between Hashem and the Jew that is beyond rationality, that is beyond externalities. That is beyond seichel and tam vidas. It's the hiskashrus that is May to live in the deepest place of the heart. It can't be articulated in words because it can't be articulated in words. That's why it's expressed in the shofar, as he will go on to explain. Not really though. That here, no, no words. No words. No words. How do you articulate silence? Oh. How do you scream silence? That's the shofar. Silence is the, is the loudest the, the loudest sound in silence. Maybe the shofar, that's why you go from the shofar, about right? from the... Andy uh, Clark? Back into the brain, that's how it's connected to the animal. It might be to wake up at night. And yeah. well, see, you know that we see many people only <coughs> after Silence. They
1: don't even know if it's... it's silence. Silence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why... is it really, the other... saying the other is Ramallah? I don't even if you're bringing it back up. Again, what? The other, the first one, by other means, is a different type of Ramallah. Is you're is saying, what is it from the Kaka? Is from the Gais? From, from the bottom? And that yeah. and No, you would say the first Rosh Hashanah yeah. process was initiated by Hashem, Isarusha Deleela. He created the world. Isn't his mouth he is coming from the fact, like he explained that it's coming from the fact that now Adam has saved Yeah, no, no, but he means that the whole creation happened no Lomailah. It was Hashem's choice. And now, and now it depends on the person's avoidance. Right. Now, but now there's a Rosh Hashanah where the person needs to be Mamluk Hashem, to bring out a new year of creation. Hashem so, started the whole process himself so, if so, He created Adam Why did it all like start because of Adam? He created mountains He created the signatures No so, group, uh, I thought we said that Adam is because he has sickles He could bring it right. up Right You know we're talking the whole Bria was something more mild The whole Bria including the Adam the Oilam and the Odom was all over Mumaela. And now it depends on our void of a person. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net. slash donate.